Hello, all you lovely, lovely people. Mitchell Lee alongside Brandon, too. And we are going to be talking about the movies that made January 2024. Special is not really the right word because this was kind of a off month for movies. It was definitely an off month for the box office, but we're talking about the, the, the movies and their quality, Brandon. I don't know about you. But usually when I go uh, for a month, I see about, I think six or seven is the number that I'm usually at for movies in theaters for a month. Uh, December, you know, coming off December, December any year is going to be high because there's a lot of wide releases and Oscar stuff. December, you can get to like 25, 20. No, I know some people are like, that's ridiculous. But like, he's, he's not kidding. December yeah. can get really high. Like I'm pretty sure I saw like 15 in December uh, yep. last year, but this January I only saw five and I could have seen more, but schedules and you know, a lot of stuff was just like, I know that that's coming to streaming soon, or I know it's going to be showing more frequently soon for reasons that we'll get into. Uh, so uh, I'll just go ahead and, and list some of the ones that, Neither one of us saw, but maybe before the end of the year, we'll get to. Uh, ISS was one that we were going to see. I'd heard okay things about it, but nothing was really drawing me in. And if there's nothing coming out in theaters for like two weeks except you, and I don't go see your movie, that's a pretty big indictment on on your advertising. and piggyback it campaign. yeah i guess you can also piggyback it off of like the next time you really want to go to the theater just like pop in and see that one um the premise sounds okay if but it's yeah, still there, was there nothing is it like, tanked yeah we, that's how weak this january was because that movie tanked and it's still in theaters so yeah i i don't know go ahead and list some more but i think iss is probably the biggest one right out of the ones we didn't see that came out the same weekend as Founders Day, which was more of a limited release that I've heard is just terrible. And that kind of intrigued me to see it more than I It, sounds like, I will, a, I it sounds like it's a wonderful knife uh, situation. Pretty much, yeah. And by the way, people, if I sound kind of gross, I, I, I'm getting sick or I am sick. We're powering through it. But by the time I thought, hey, maybe I should go see Founders Day, it was gone. It'll be on streaming somewhere at some point, probably. Yeah, like Crackle or something. I don't really know yeah. what this will, yeah. will be on. Um, then we've got uh, Netflix movies like Lift mm-hmm. with uh, with Kevin Hart, which I heard was terrible, which, again, makes me want to see it a little bit more. Yeah, nice round out the bottom 10, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there's also... Self-Reliance, which was a uh, Jake Johnson movie that came out on Hulu that I had heard some good things about. Uh, my fiance Sarah, seemed to really like it. Okay, yeah. As well as uh, The Kitchen, which is uh, Daniel Kaluuya's directorial debut, which I had heard I'm, I'm interested fine. in that. Yeah, I'm interested just for its Kaluuya's, like, you know, debut. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just it's just light. It's a light month this month. And then finally, some of the Oscar holdovers that were just yeah. either extremely 
limited or they haven't really come out too much yet. For example, we've been dying to see Zone of Interest. And Spoiler, they just no, now... I'm just kidding. I, no, Did you see it? No, I haven't seen it yet. I was kidding. Okay, we were going to see it, but we had a bachelor party that we went to this weekend. And the we also wanted to watch the you know the NFL conference championship yeah. games. So it's the the schedule just didn't really align. It didn't happen. But given the fact that it was nominated it's for gonna happen picture, this week, the opportunity the yeah. opportunity will present itself. And it's coming it's to a theater happen that's this closer to me. So I'm sure it'll happen. All of Us Strangers is one I really wanted to get to, but again, it wasn't out very long. It just because it it wasn't it was like a runner up for a lot of Oscars. It didn't get yeah. any nominations, so it it's dropped still out of theaters in really theaters quickly. at South Point, I think. But it's like really one showing a day or something like that. So it's like Origin not got nothing, and so I I still haven't seen Origin. To me, like, why didn't they just release Origin this year in, like, January? Because that's a movie that seems... It didn't seem to have seems... much of an Oscar push. Right. It didn't have an Oscar push. And it seems like a movie that's actually somewhat interesting and would get you to go to the theater. Like, I don't... Especially with how light January was. Like, stick this bad boy in January, February... And just like let it roll. Like I, I, I don't really understand. I, I get you bury movies in January that you really don't like, but I also don't understand limit, the limit release of like say uh, Origins in December. I don't really understand that. And then finally, Society of the Snow was one that was on Netflix. It got I want to say one or two Oscar nominations. Yeah. And I started it. I watched about the first 30 or 40 minutes of it. Then I had to do something, and I just haven't returned to it. Which, that's on me. It was really good. I yeah. just we, We've had a, a lot of different things to watch. I mean, Marlon Wayans was gone. <laughs> that's fair. I, I will say, I, I think Origins, I'll probably end up watching. I'll definitely watch Zone of Interest. I'm going to watch Zone of Interest this weekend. What just... I'm going to watch it this weekend. I'll probably get to ISS since it's going to still be in theaters, I guess. Um, probably next week is what I'm looking at. Uh, maybe this week uh, with ISS. But a lot of these movies, I'm like, I'll just wait until, there's the, like you said, like Crackle or I don't know, something <laughs> weird where yeah, I'll just find it somewhere. Like, I don't know. Like Founders Day. Like, am I really excited to see Founders Day? No. Do I want no. to see Founders Day for the bottom 10 possibility of it yes yes that's really the only reason why you wanted to see founders day for the same reason you saw war of the world's attack right i knew well that was a like a a fan made war of the world movie but yeah yeah same same premise same premise all right so let's start off the movies we actually did see with the projected box office champion of january that was the box office champion of January, and that was the 2024 rendition of Mean Girls. I don't know if you know this about me, uh, Brandon. I don't know why I was about to call you Mark. Your name is not Mark. Your name is Brandon. Uh, I'm looking at the director of the original Mean Girls, Mark Waters. I'm a big fan of that 2004 movie. I love Mean Girls. I thought it was absolutely hilarious, and I know... Uh, Hopefully none of you will ever hear it because it has been scrubbed from the internet. But uh, 
back in the day, there was a little movie called The Bad Mom's Christmas, and I had some really harsh thoughts on it. And some people seem to think that I don't find female comedies funny. Um, mean Girls was really funny. Girls Trip came out that same year, really funny. Yeah. Bottoms came out last year, really funny. So uh, that is just simply I, not I, true. You have your hits and misses, you know. Like you didn't like uh, Joyride. Just like last, all comedy last year. I, yeah, I hated yeah. Joyride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but this Mean Girls movie came out, and I remember hearing that it was going to go straight to streaming, but they decided we're going to send it to theaters. And I'm like, okay, I like that because I hate when movies go directly to streaming. Go to theaters; it's a bigger event. There's more promotion for it when it does end up going to streaming, especially people have in, already talked about it in this month of January. Yeah, put it in theaters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can make some money, but. I don't know how a remake of this is going to go. And then I heard it was not a direct remake. It was based on the Broadway musical, which they seemed to try to hide in the marketing. And once the word got out, people weren't the biggest fans of that, but the box office didn't drop off the way that a lot of people kind of expected to, which means that, hey, maybe you should promote your movies as they actually are. Well, Don't try to trick the audience. That's not going to get people well, on your side, Paramount. This is, no, this isn't like a, a Morbius situation where they try to make it sound like it's the MCU, or the, you know they they put Spider Man oh, oh, in I, the I background. Get what you were saying, yeah. but no, I get when they no, had like no. that, that this, fake image of Spider Man in there. It, it it's not it's not the same. Like in the trailer, Regina George is singing. You you have to know. I mean, I, I, I get it. It doesn't explicitly say it's a it's a musical, but also in the poster, like in the A, there's a music note. So like, yeah. if you just don't know what a music note looks like, then I guess like, okay, like, did you take fourth grade like music class? Like, I'm just I'm I'm sorry. I I just don't buy that they were <laughs> like the the marketing for paramount came out whoever it was like the director of marketing for paramount like came out and said they were like trying to bury it they're just trying to make people not feel bad because there's no way people didn't know this was not a musical like if you didn't know like i'm sorry like like that's on you (laughs) like if you if you do any research on this movie it's 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 clear as day it's a musical to me it is so i don't they weren't burying it the the director just came out and said like later that they we're burying it because they felt bad that people were like felt like they were getting lied to, and that's not what happened. It's not a Morbius situation. It's not Madam Web and Craven the Hunter and and Venom where they're trying to make it like the MCU. And there are multiple people who think like those Sony Spider Verse movies are are Spider you know Sony Verse movies are in the MCU. It's not part of the MCU. Sony's trying to piggyback off of that and make money off of it. And that's where like you're lying to your audience then. That is not what Mean Girls was doing. I'm sorry. It's just not. Just uh, this, movie was, this movie was directed by Samantha Jane and Arturo Perez Jr. and stars Ang- Anger- Ang- Angry Rice? Angry Rice? Angry Rice? I'm going to call her... Uh, you remember what? when Kevin Harlan did the Angry Whopper? You Ever know, since uh, Miss yeah. Ellis, you have like made fun of me for like trying to pronounce people's names. <laughs> so, so I just... I mean, I can try, but... I'm good. I'm. She was. She was actually fine. She was. She was fine. 
I will get I, to my I, thoughts I, on the specific performers uh, here in a bit, but uh, yeah. Angory Rice, Angry Rice, Frustrated Rice, whatever her name is, uh, Renee Rapp, uh, Ali Cravalo, or I'm just going to call her Moana, just like everyone calls Christopher Mintz Plus uh, McLovin, even though that movie was like almost 20 years ago. Uh, I'm just going to call her Moana forever because she's Moana to me. And then uh, Christopher Briney as well. And I've got to say personally that the decision to not market this as a musical was a uh, bad decision because I hate when they trick the audience, but also a good decision okay. because so after my I whole hated spill, the music still in this think... movie. Okay, but after my whole spill, you still think they were tricking the audience? I don't understand. How, how were I don't they? think they were tricking Explain the audience. I just think it like was... It was more lying by, uh, what's it called? Not explicitly saying it's Mean Girls the, mu- the yeah, musical. Yeah, yeah, no, like they didn't. But not explicitly the coming out. It was a musical. Like, they just didn't the also advertise. Yeah, like they 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 left like little breadcrumbs, but they they weren't like in your face about hey, this is a musical. So I could see okay. why some people were very on, uh, very surprised when they got there backtrack. and there were musical yeah. numbers. I'm going to backtrack and say, I understand what you're saying with that. Like if they had just come out and said, this is Mean Girls, the musical, I think it would have been fine. But I, I do agree with you. They were kind of hiding behind the fact that you can just like say like, oh, Mean Girls and like put stuff in it and whatnot. It'd be fine. But um, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Uh, Angry Rice or I, I can't say her name without wanting to I think, laugh. I think it's, I think it's Angori. It's Angori Rice. All right, Angori Rice. Uh, that's just uh, that's what I'm gonna call her now. I loved her in The Nice Guys, which if you haven't yes. seen The Nice Guys, please check that out. It's one of the best movies of the 2010s, and I say that with my whole chest. I thought she was horrible in this. I'm sorry. Mm. I, I thought she was very bad, especially like very bad. especially when it came to the singing. Okay, I thought she was horrific. And yeah, I don't I, like being mean like that, but it is what it is. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie about it. I just did not think she was good. Okay, so I think put she up lacked next personality. To... Her voice had no character to it. it. It was bad. Yeah, I'm not gonna go that far. I, I think she was she was fine. Like she was maybe a little bit below average, but I think it was because she was put up next to Renee Rapp. Now, shout out. I was about uh, to say that as well. Maybe Charlotte. Shout out Charlotte, North Carolina native Renee Rapp. You know, represent represent the NC. Um, she killed it as Regina George, and uh, Jaquel Spivey uh, also apparently went to Sanderson High School in Raleigh. Also killed it. So I don't know how they got all these North Carolina like natives to <laughs> to be in this movie, but um, uh, I think Jaquel Spivey and Renee Rapper the or the uh, the cream of the crop in terms of this movie. Um, Regina George and Damien Hubbard are are clearly like the two best. Um, characters in this movie for me and so maybe that's maybe why you're thinking Katie Heron character like Angry Rice and Gory Rice wasn't uh wasn't as good yeah you got it too I did I did the same thing um but yeah maybe maybe that's why maybe putting it up next to like another character like that it just felt lacking which I agree with I think it was lacking I just don't know if it was horrific as you would say I uh I thought it was pretty bad but Renee Rapp was definitely the highlight of the movie. And I, I mean, is she as would, good as would, Rachel McAdams? No. Right. But I think Rachel McAdams set the bar so incredibly high. 
I yeah. think that if anybody was to become a star off of this movie, it would be her. Uh, she was the only one, apart from Moana, that when she was singing, I believed it. Uh, just that though those two were the best. And I do think that Jaquel Spivey as a, a Damien, uh, the best friend of uh, Moana's character, I I thought that those three were the best. And everyone else just kind of was there. existed. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way of putting it. Even Tina um, Fey, which made no sense because Tina Fey and Tim Meadows were in the first Mean Girls, and it felt like they didn't quite belong in this one. Yeah, it was weird. Like they they're the same characters in that movie, right? Like they're playing the exact same parts, are they not? Are they? Yeah. Am I missing that? Yeah, they're playing the exact same parts. So. I, I don't know. Yeah, it felt kind of out of place. Um, yeah, I definitely think Damien is the best the best character probably, and Regina is right behind him, or like one A one B, like whatever. Um, Regina George's song is probably the most memorable, and even then, it's not that memorable. So uh, yeah, when she's kind of singing like "I am Regina George," I'm not gonna sing, but you know. When, you don't sound like, anything like Renee Rat Brandon. No, I don't. But like that's probably the most memorable song, and I guess that's where we're, where we're at with it. Is it's it's a fine musical. It it's just not I, I like thought, I anything thought special. In, I thought the music in this movie was quite bad. Yeah, um, yeah. there I was mean, some stuff that I thought was really funny, and I think that Renee Rap really elevated the material. Yeah. Uh, but. The, the musical numbers just – I saw a clip that went viral that made me feel really bad before I saw the movie. But after I saw it, I'm like, oh, this makes sense, where there were audience members groaning at the fact that another musical number was coming up. Yeah. And I, I, I like audibly like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. And it wasn't like one or two. It was like half of the crowd of a sold-out audience. So it was what? very clear which again, I felt bad, but then I saw the movie and I'm like, ah, I, I kind of get it because the dramatic stuff, it doesn't work as strong as it does in Mean yeah. Girls. The comedic stuff, uh, the, the original doesn't work as strong with the comedy either, but it's serviceable. It's definitely serviceable, but the music just, it's, it's like they didn't it's know, lacking. right? Like I had, a, I had trouble with a movie that came out last month, The Color Purple, and I thought... I don't really think, and I've never seen the Steven Spielberg one, so I don't have that to compare it to, but I watched that movie thinking the director didn't really have that seamless transition to where, all right, this is where a musical number needs to take place, and we're going to transition into it. Yeah, it I just seemed very herky-jerky, and it's all over the place. I still liked that movie, but I wanted to love it. And right. that movie had amazing performers. Like it had a Fantasia Barino. It had Danielle Brooks. It had Corey Hawkins. Taraji. Taraji P. Pen, Taraji P. Henson doing the musical numbers. This doesn't have those. I mean, Renee Rapp's doing a really good job. But it doesn't have those big performances and big voices that that did. So it'll feel even more herky-jerky than something like The Color Purple did to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Now that you say it was going to go to streaming and then they put it in theaters, it kind of feels like a movie that they were trying to make for streaming almost. 
and they were just kind of like, okay, well, let's get go eyes to Paramount Plus. And yeah, and and I don't, I don't know, I don't want to fault the movie too much because if that if that was the like route they were going with was there's gonna be a Paramount Plus, like you put it on the background, you watch it, like it's fine. I also think it's hard to just like adapt. Mean Mean Girl, like Mean Girls, is so good, and and if you're adapting like the stage, like Broadway production of it, it's just it's just different. It, it doesn't always work, but um, I'm fine with. I mean, it's a fine. You know, I came away with it going like, overall, it's fine. The music is not. The music is below average. I agree. The music is not good, but overall, like the overarching like product they put out there was just was just eh. it was just okay it was a little bit above average for me and i don't know like it's fine like i wanted to like it more i think that's the issue is i wanted to like it more and i just can't get there because of the music and and the way it sounded like you just can't get there with it all right we're not doing spoiler talk for movies that just came out but what was yeah. your grade uh i'm gonna go so i gave this and i'm gonna stick with it uh, B minus 78.7, which is actually pretty, pretty high. Now that I think about it, <laughs> probably could go to a C plus if we're, if we're being honest. Um, but yeah, I'm going to stick with the B minus. All right. I was at a uh, C plus with a 71.89. So yeah, we're a little bit similar. different on it. Yeah. We're a little bit different, but not too much. I, I like the funny parts of the movie. Maybe a little bit more than even you do, I guess, and and that's where I'm gonna leave it. Is if you want to go and you think like, don't go for the music, don't go for the songs, go for the laughs. And if if you if you like that type of comedy, you're probably gonna like this movie. Um, I wouldn't even say like the comedy is that great, but you know, I think Damien is a great character. I think Jaquel Spivey killed it. All right, let's move on to what we really wanted to talk about <laughs> yeah, with this whole thing. Well, when we when we were talking about the January recap, we're gonna get to the stuff like Night Swim and American Fiction and the Book of Clarence. Yeah, but let's be honest, this was all about the damn Beekeeper. This was the movie, movie that Brandon and I did a triple feature on the second weekend of January. We saw American Fiction. The Beekeeper and the Book of Clarence. And spoiler alert, we were positive on all three movies. We left all three movies taking something positive away from it. And The Beekeeper was not our favorite movie that we saw. But it was the movie we were talking about the most. That much is for damn sure. We were talking about right. The Beekeeper. And this one is directed by David Ayer, the one who gave us End of Watch, gave us Fury, two really good movies. Also gave us uh, Suicide Squad, which is a pile of dog shit. Not the so, Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad. No, the bad yeah, yeah. one. Not the good one. That was James Gunn. Mm-hmm. So this one, directed by David Ayer, starring Jason Statham, Emmy Raver Lampman, Josh Hutcherson, Bobby Nadiri, Felicia Rashad, and Jeremy Irons. And it is about. How the hell do I even go about this premise? Uh, I see when his good-hearted boss commits suicide about 20 seconds 
after losing her charity's funds to a scam, former beekeeper operative, who is actually a beekeeper, you know, keeping bees as well, Adam Clay sets out on a brutal campaign for vengeance upon those responsible. No, that is the premise about the first 25 to 30 minutes of the movie into which I was watching it going, this is exactly what I wanted this movie to be. This is kind of what I expected this movie to be. He's getting vengeance upon people that are responsible for this, the scam. And you love to see it. You love to see scammers getting their comeuppance. Good for Jason Statham. But I'm also sitting here like, uh, they said this movie was about an hour and 50 minutes. It feels like we're getting to some conclusions very quickly. Oh, what the hell? Yeah, what just happened? What the hell? What What am I watching now? And this movie just kept taking left turn after left turn after left turn. And it's like the writer of the movie just ripped off his shirt, snorted a rock star mountain amount of cocaine, and just that that uh, that image of the the fire. Quill just writing a script just said, all right, I'm going to write the stupidest thing on planet earth and it's going to kill. Yeah. Um, speaking of kill, there's a lot of killing in this movie. Um, but I, I like IMDb's, uh, little synopsis at the top. Uh, one man's brutal campaign for vengeance takes on national stakes after he's revealed to be a former operative of a powerful and clandestine organization known as Beekeeper. I just think that is hilarious. Um, it is so funny that he is actually a beekeeper in real life. Um, it's not, it's like a cover up for like what he actually is, which is, I mean, yeah, I, this isn't a spoiler. It happens in the movie, whatever. He is a mix between John Wick and think of the most cold-hearted but like loving like it's a crossover between the gentleman and john wick is is that the best way to put it like i mean that's basically what it is like wrath of man plus john wick combined like i would say it starts off like john wick meets wrath of man right and then it ends up being face off Yep. But dumber. See, but you're saying that. And and I say that as someone. I say that as someone who thinks Face Off is one of the best movies of the 90s. Right. Okay, maybe not best, but like, I love that movie so much. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. They change faces, Brandon. That's part of the damn movie. And they don't tell their families or anything, (laughs) they just change faces. So, yeah, I mean, the plot just gets absurd, and I'm here for it. Like, it, it sounds like that's a critique, like it's dumber than Face Off, but I, that's, it's a positive. I, I, I like it. I like the where it goes. And like you said, it's almost like the person writing it was just like, I'm going to make the dumbest thing up, and it's going to kill. And that is, that is exactly what happens. They, they, take, they take it. And it's like on a roller coaster track, and it just the roller coaster goes off the track, and they're just like, let's keep like moving the roller coaster, like let's not stop the roller coaster, let's just continue this roller coaster off track, like it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it goes off the rails like very quickly, 
at one point and they just go full send. Like they do not care. They go like the the nastiest, gnarliest trick you can think of on a motorbike. Like they do that trick times ten. Like they just do not care. It's full send mode and it's hilarious to me. It's great. I love it. There's a few times where Jason Statham is trying to like avoid detection. Yep. And he does some stuff that I'm like, Batman wouldn't be able to do that. No, that's no, no. You say that, but he's a beekeeper. And my God, the bee puns in this movie, it's either, it's something that might piss you off at first, but once you kind of get with the tone of the movie, you roll with it and it's funny. And there's this guy that I'm pretty sure is straight out of like Mortal Kombat that uh, is a villain later in the movie or just this guy that Statham has to go up against. And he's got like all these weird weapons and like tattoos and you know what, like affectations. You know what that and, character's name is? I think it's I think it's the best part. I bet his name is something like Gazorpazorp or something. No, no, here we go. Lazarus. Of course his name is Lazarus. Why wouldn't it be? He flying too he flying too close to the sun. I don't fucking know. Like it's Icarus. Like he's just flying too close to like Lazarus. Like oh my god, that makes it even better. Oh, I just I will never forget this man saying, "To be or not to be, isn't that the fucking question?" And I'm just like, I'm in heaven right now. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then Jason Statham responds with, "I'll choose to be." And I'm, uh, the, yeah, no, whoever wrote this has got an IQ of six, but I love it. Yeah, I, if, I if, yeah. If you, if you like goofy ass action movies, and by the way, the MVP of this is 100% uh, Josh Hutcherson, who I loved in the Hunger Games movies, and I've been waiting for him to make his comeback. Right. And then Five Nights at Freddy's came out, and I'm like, damn it. Maybe no. this is maybe this is a big financial Just success. He sucks in this, and this movie is terrible. But this, where he gets to play like just this goofy, hammy villain, I loved it. It's almost oh. like they took the character that uh, what's his face that gets his dick cut off in Game of Thrones was playing in the first John Wick, and like they uh they expanded it, and they gave him more character, and I liked that. Yeah, I mean, the for opening scene of Josh Hutcherson, he comes in on, like, a skateboard, and he just got vibes, and he's just like, did you get the the, the tuna sent in and, like, the Otoro, like, to the sushi chef? And he's like, all right, cool. Um, Now let's let's get the sound uh, garden going and, and, and make sure I'm going to need a massage appointment done. Like, he is so over-the-top and goofy. It works. It just works. And... And I mean, even like thinking of a name like Lazarus for a character where like, not to get too deep into biblical stuff, Mitchell, but like Lazarus is like the story of Lazarus shows like Jesus's power over like life and death. So like this character, Lazarus, is supposed to be like a an operative of, of, of power over life and death. Like just even those decisions are like wild to me. Like it's just absurd that they drop this like Mortal Kombat character. Like you were saying, with the Scottish accent in the middle of, of this movie, like it, it is just absurd. 
It is crazy. There is a plot twist that isn't even a plot twist if you really think about it because of how absolutely insane you would have to be to write a story with that twist. Like how absolutely insane you would have to be. It is wild. Uh, I've been talking a lot of positives about this movie. and Do you have a negative? I, I don't have a negative. I really don't. Oh, I absolutely do. I absolutely okay, do. Okay, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Sometimes the action was a little bit too quick cut for me. Other times yeah. it's not. It was it's inconsistent. Also really loud. It's really loud. And it I, is a loud I, I, movie. I get, I get that action scenes are supposed to be like loud, but the Foley artist who did this, it was almost like they were punching concrete when they were making this movie. They were just like, how can we make it as loud as possible? Um, and in IMAX, it gets amplified. So, um, yeah, it's a very loud movie, too. Big negative for me were the cops in this. The yeah. the, the two main cops, which one of them is one of the main uh, people in the Umbrella Academy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Emmy Raver-Lampman and then her partner in the movie. Uh, they were written terribly. And yeah, they weird, always just had, like, they always just had, like, divine intervention to get them where they needed to go, it made no sense at all. Yeah, they're not cops. They're also FBI. So that even like makes it a little more weird. It's like this is like an FBI like most wanted situation where they're trying to track down this guy who's on a revenge rampage, killing a bunch of people, but they're always two steps behind. It it doesn't make the FBI look good. <laughs> And it doesn't make the CIA look good. It doesn't make any of these national security agencies look good. Do you know good. who's good? The beekeepers. Yeah, the beekeepers. There's a line this in there that's pretty funny. beekeeper propaganda, Brandon. Yeah, this is beekeeper propaganda. Because there's a line in the movie where, more or less, the person's like, oh, so he's like us. And the guy looks at like the SEAL Team 6 op- operatives and like all these high-level operatives. And he's like, no, you're nowhere near th- this guy. Like, you're you're quite frankly a bunch of, and I'm not going to say the word, but yeah, he calls them. I think he pretty much looks at them and says like, yeah, he's like you if uh, if he was a bitch or something like that. Right, right. <laughs> he basically says it that way. It, you can get the gist of how he's, he's saying it. And it's just, it's such a funny delivery from Jeremy Irons. I think Jeremy Irons' character is awesome. Oh, Jeremy Irons was great in this. Yeah, I have Wallace, no idea why the hell he's in this movie, but I'm glad yeah, he's no in no idea. No idea why Wallace Westwild is even a character, but um, I'm here for it. Like, his his cuts where he just goes, oh, you know, it's the beekeeper. Damn it. We're all dead. And it's like, what is going on? Like, how how powerful is this one man? He's like, he gets that, like, yeah. uh, that whole moment of like, uh, sir, uh, it was John Wick's car. Oh, he oh, he, John he, Wick's he gets car? he gets some moments like that, and it's it's good fun. So yeah, I've got to say, have a lot of negatives. I don't have a lot of negatives. It was it was a little bit loud, but I mean, it's an action movie. I'm not going to complain too much about that. And this movie does think I'm a little too stupid, you know? Like, yeah, I think the movie thinks that I like. I, I, no, I'm not that dumb, but like I can't go too high with something like this. I'm at a B plus, one point zero five, scraping the bottom 1. of the barrel with 0. the B plus, because okay. yeah, okay. I'm I'm not that stupid. I can't put this too high. So I'm gonna go with B plus fifteen and a half percent. 
And I will say, why were you making fun of me for going low? You weren't much higher. No, no uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. No, no, I, I was. I'm not making fun of you for going low. I don't think you can give this like an A minus or A, but this is one of those like letterbox movies where you're gonna give this a three and a half stars and you're gonna hit the like button. You're gonna hit that little that little heart. You're gonna say, I really like this one, even though it's three and a half. Like everyone knows I like that one. Like that is what this what this movie is. It's a nice three and a half stars with a like next to it. And I don't know if that's how you do letterbox, but that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from it. Is this is like a three and a half that I'll probably come back and see like two years from now and be like, that movie's awesome. But I'll never be like, you know, that movie deserves an A. Like, I'll never get there. But I saw this movie two times in three days, and it was just as good the second time, Mitchell. It was just as good. It was a wild ride. Even when I knew what the what, what the twist was, I was still jaw on the floor. I can't believe they just did that. So I hope people go see it because it's it's worth it. I go catch it in theaters, please. It's done a lot better than people expected. It's going to be a success at the box now, Jason office. Jason Statham's going to get another role like this. They're going to make a sequel. I hope they do. Please, I really hope they do. Make this a sequel one, called like the Hornet's Nest or something, and we bring in like another Oscars. They can take one, that from me. I'm not even going to get mad. They can take that. This one, just like the next movie we're going to talk about, uh, Amazon. It'll be on Amazon uh, pretty soon. So nice. if you have Amazon Prime, the Beekeeper will be coming to you probably in the next two, three months. So right next pumped, to the get excited. remake of right next to the remake of Roadhouse. <laughs> right next to that one. Yeah, we'll talk about that one in March. Uh, this next one also Amazon uh, MGM, and that's American Fiction. Nice. This one was technically a December release, but it expanded in January. So we're talking about it in January, directed by Cord Jefferson, written by Cord Jefferson, starring Jeffrey Wright, uh, Sterling K. Brown, Tracy Ellis Ross, Erica Alexander, Issa Rae, and uh, John Ortiz. And this is about a, uh, a novelist, a professor type, who uh, writes, he, he's a writer, and he writes a uh, kind of stereotypical, like, farce of a, of a book that he expects uh, Satire to be, almost. yeah, kind of like the, the stereotypical black book after he sees uh, one of Issa Rae's books just blowing off the shelves, and it's, she, he's looking at it like. The title of her book is so funny, by the way the title of her book what was it it was in the ghetto but it was in the ghetto yeah and it was so, so funny and it's about the fact that he makes this book and like pretty much comes up with this alter ego yeah and it does really well and he's got to like kind of grapple with that as well as stuff going on with his family this has been nominated for best picture it's been nominated for uh, they got five Oscar nominations, which is mm-hmm. a lot more than I expected. Good job. Uh, best picture, best actor for Jeffrey Wright, which I applaud 100%. I'm with that. Best supporting actor for Sterling K. Brown. Love and we'll that. get to him, and I did really like him in the movie. I would have rather seen maybe Dominic Sessa for The Holdovers or Willem, Willem Dafoe for Poor Things. Uh, best uh, adapted screenplay for uh Cord Jefferson and best score which 
interesting. I mean, across the Spider-Verse, what are we doing? Now, granted, I would have taken out Indiana Jones because the fact that that guy nominated for anything is a disgrace to humanity. So, who did 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 who I think did Indiana Jones did Indiana Jones? So that's John Williams, and that's the only reason why they nominated it. Yeah, it's like Meryl I mean, Streep. If, if he does something, I mean, it's going to get nominated, even if it doesn't deserve it. And I, I like John Williams. I like John Williams. Don't get me wrong. He's like yeah. ninety. He didn't. Yeah. He's ninety. What's he doing right now? I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I some of the Oscar nominations weird, but um, I'm glad this one got some buzz and and got some push behind it. And yeah, the five the five nominations I think are deserved, uh, for the most part. Um, yeah, I just so this is a tough one. I'm glad we saw it when we saw it. Um, it would have it would have been close to a to a top ten last year. And I think that is. That's kind of where we both were at with it, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah, I just, I think it's a really thoughtful, it's a really enjoyable movie. It kind of touches on some uncomfortable things that even as a white male audience member, like I'm fine with it getting into that area of, of, of the movie. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just witty. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it, I guess is, is the best way to put it is, you know, it, it's probably not a movie exactly for me, but it made me feel like I was included. And I think that's kind of where I'm getting at with it. Uh, this ended up being my number 15 movie of yeah. 2023. So it got really close. I think a lot of people had issues with the different tones. They yeah, didn't like the weird. way that the film concluded. And to be fair, I wasn't the biggest fan of how the film concluded either. I was actually going to ask you, do are you sure exactly what happened at the end of the film? Like, they don't really make it obvious. I know what happened. It was just... Uh, I, I wasn't... I, I get what they I don't want to spoil for. things, but, like, they almost no, made, no, like, no. alternate innings. Because this like... movie's still kind of growing and more people are seeing it as it's expanding right, right. more after the Best Picture nomination. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the end. I think that there's... Uh, a, a big difference in between the tone of kind of the comedic elements of this guy and his alter persona of Stag R. Lee and his, uh, also his, the uh, stuff going on with his family, which yeah, is his a little bit more, a little bit more focused on Sterling K. Brown, who right. I, for, for whatever reason, I thought Sterling K. Brown just like completely went away. He was in everything for like two years, and then he just kind of disappeared. So I thought, oh, his moment came and went. I really liked him. Hopefully he comes back. And he came back in a big way with this one, getting an Oscar nomination. So I'm very happy to see that. He played this role exceptionally well. He has a few moments with uh, the uh, woman that plays his mother. Uh, I think her name is Leslie Uggams. And she has, uh, I think she has like, dementia or alzheimer's or something like that she has alzheimer's and she's it's like early onset alzheimer's so it's not all there but you can tell it's slowly deteriorating so sterling k brown has a few moments uh with her that are really good him and jeffrey wright had a fantastic uh rapport together and this is actually the first movie where two black male co-stars nominated for oscars which is cool. Shocked that's that it awesome. took this long, 
But also big props to Jeffrey Wright and Sterling K. Brown because they were both really, really good in this movie. And I think that as much as I mentioned that I would have maybe rather seen Dominic Sessa or Willem Dafoe, Sterling K. Brown, you know, this isn't a America Ferrera situation where I'm saying I just don't think you deserve the nomination for this one and it kind of pisses me off. Uh, Sterling K. Brown did really good work, but this is the Jeffrey Wright show. Jeffrey Mm. Wright isn't really a lead in too much. He's very much a character actor. A lot of you might know him for uh, his roles in some of the James Bond movies with Daniel Craig. Uh, I feel like he's been in a few uh, Wes Anderson movies. He was Commissioner Gordon in The Batman and killed it in that. Uh, The first thing I ever saw him in was this movie in 2011 that I'm hoping and praying the randomizer lets us watch soon called Source Code. It's one of my favorite favorite sci-fi movies the last 15 years. He pretty much plays this like... uh, the, the, this guy that comes up with this computer program and he's he's great in the movie and that was my introduction to Jeffrey Wright and ever since then I've loved him as an actor and getting to see him in the lead role he's got great comedic timing there's a scene where he makes a demand to the uh, the publishers of this book that he wrote that on paper it sounds kind of childish this joke but that was kind of the point of it. And Jeffrey Wright's delivery was just golden. He is no perfect in this thing. He's not going to win the Oscar. It's a two horse race between Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti. Jeffrey Wright will get lost in the shuffle, but I really hope that he doesn't. Uh, not that I want him to win because I, I do think that Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti are rightly one and two in that order. Uh, for best actor at the Oscars, but I really hope that this draws that the, the five nominations, two acting noms, best picture. I really hope that this draws more eyes to this movie because this is something where I know we haven't seen it, but something like the zone of interest or even poor things. I don't really know if that's going to be for everyone, Right. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not, not gonna, gonna be for everyone. I'm not gonna tell my mom to go watch poor things. She has no interest in watching Emma Stone get railed for 30 minutes. That's that's just not something that she's gonna want to see. She doesn't but like the set pieces. The set pieces are gonna set her set her apart for. But something like this, I think that everyone can really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at earlier. You know, like it's inclusive. Like it's it might not be a story like about your experience, Mitchell, but it's inclusive and and it, it makes you feel inclusive in watching it. And it's it's like you said, it's for everyone. So I hope people go see it and they come away like that was a really funny movie. And yeah, it made me it made me laugh at points and made me feel a little bit uncomfortable at points. There's a couple of scenes where you're like, oh wow, like that's kind of really depressing. But in the end, like it's it's this. This movie that makes you think about things and, and it's very inclusive in that. And and I really, I really liked it. I just, I think that's the best part about the movie is it makes you feel like you're almost inside their family almost a little bit, which is, I think kind of the vibe they were going for a little bit, which is cool. I think that whenever the term crowd pleaser or inclusive or whatever the case gets thrown around a movie that touches on race, like mm-hmm. this movie does, 
people kind of roll their eyes and turn on it like okay mm-hmm. so it's going to be a white savior movie you know once we get once we get to stuff like the help or green book which were movies that i did enjoy but i'll also have to talk about the fact that if you see that in it and that's how you interpret things i can't really say that you're wrong i just happen to still enjoy it yeah yeah this isn't that no it's not this at is all. this I is very much cool. and yeah i i like that but it's also not a movie that i would say like i'd say anyone can go see it and not feel left out and feel like there's something in there that they can relate to. Uh, it's exceptional storytelling by Cord Jefferson and the actors. All of them brought their A game. I gave this, let's see the exact number, an A with a, uh, let's see, 61.07%. Okay. We're a little close. Um, this is my 12th favorite movie of the year last year. It oh, actually wow, we got close. Yeah, it, yes, very close. Um, it's slotted actually in front of uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which I'm glad they're calling it Dead Reckoning and not Dead Reckoning Part yes. 1 anymore. Um, 78.5% A is where I'm at. So four stars Ooh. out of five for me. Uh, that would very, have been good, good enough to make my list. That would have been yeah. number 10 on my list. Yeah, well, I... my... My number 10 and 9 are a little bit higher than that. Um, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that would have just come above Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Nice, nice, nice. Because, yeah, for me, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. Since I redid my scale, uh, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret is an 87.3 for me. And so everything above that is just like, you know, percentile points and stuff like that, points and whatnot, like decimal gotcha. places, basically. Yep. Uh, Mission Impossible was my number 10, and that was a, uh, a 77.42. Okay, yeah, there you go. So yeah, that we're was close. the uh, number to beat, which was pretty close to uh, my number 10 movie of 2022 was Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and that yeah. got a, uh, an A 71.55. So if you sense. want to make my, uh, my top 10, you've got to be at the very least above a 70 on the A scale. And an 80, in that 70s, you might get in, you might not. 80s, you're in. Yeah, fair. That's a, that's a good way of looking at it. Let's talk about a movie that you did not see. So I'll keep the conversation brief. I saved Are we you. sure? No, I'm just kidding. Because, yeah, I didn't because at the last minute, we found out that the theater we were going to was going to be showing American fiction. So we're like, all right, let's go see American fiction. I'm going to go ahead and see Night Swim. And we won't have that as part of the triple feature. And you still have not gotten to it yet, but it also did not do particular. It, it did well compared to its budget because it had a $15 million budget made $41 million. We're talking about night swim directed by Bryce McGuire written by Bryce McGuire. I hope I never meet Bryce McGuire because I won't have very nice things to say about his passion project. Starring Wyatt Russell and Carrie Condon. Yes, she followed up Banshees of Inishirin, a movie that she probably should have won an Oscar for, with the Haunted Pool movie. And this movie is about a suburban family who discover that their backyard swimming pool is haunted. And Brandon, this movie sucks. It's so bad. 
And I will tell you, I'll tell you right now that if this movie had come out in 2023, it would have been my number two worst movie of the year. God, that's slotting right above number zero. Oh my gosh. It would have been uh, worse than Five Nights at Freddy's and not even a little close. Yeah, that is tough. Wow. Um. Now, so I will, I will have to see this movie to put it on my bottom 10. It's going to have be an on accurate Peacock. bottom 10. I need to see this movie. It's going to be on Peacock at some point in the next month. But I, I, I'll tell you this. You might find part of it interesting at first because it's about a retired baseball player, like a retired professional baseball player. Someone by, told me this, and I was like, there's no way. Keep going. Sorry. Keep going. And, yeah, sorry. But his career ended due to injuries. Okay. He was a really good player, but he just couldn't stay healthy. So now he's uh, trying to live a normal life, and he uses this pool as kind of like he's doing water therapy in the pool. Yeah. And yeah. he he has a lot of like knee injuries, leg injuries. He can't do like high, high dynamic uh, stuff. Like but, using the pool is like low dynamic workout. Yeah, yeah. But all of his like injuries and ailments seem to get better. Like not like better in that like, ah, yes, there's less pain, but I probably still shouldn't play baseball. But like he gets so much better when he spends more time in the pool and he gets violent and they find out things about the history of the pool and what happened with the last owner so of the pool and it's not even the pool that's haunted it's the water inside the pool that's haunted so the because they go to other places haunted. and people are haunted by the are like possessed by this pool water it's dumb brandon so it's it's, it's magical pool water that that like possesses people yes that is absolutely and the pool, absurd. And the, pool, and, and the water demands a sacrifice, Brandon. Oh, oh, of course it does, because it's a horror movie. You gotta have a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, I'm pretty sure, a PG-13 horror movie. From what oh, I remember. Oh God! I mean, look, I, I'm, not, is... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against PG-13 horror movies, but come on. Yeah, PG-13 horror make movie. It R. Just make it R. Just make it R. It is scareless. It is no fun. It takes itself very seriously, which a movie about haunted pool water absolutely should not be doing. This this script is probably just as dumb as The Beekeeper, but The Beekeeper knew what it was. Right. The Beekeeper knew we're here to have a good time. Night Swim is like, no, we're dead ass serious. And that was the exact wrong way to play this. Yeah. It was, I, I don't really want to spend too much time on no, it. No. As soon as I said haunted pool water, y'all should have gotten the damn gist. It, it's, I'll, I'll tell you, Brandon, this movie was an hour and a half. It's not bad. And it felt like it was three hours. It oh, felt no. longer than Killers of the Flower Moon. I, I just wasn't engaged. Like the, when I got if, out and I found out only an be... hour and a half had passed, I was shocked. You could have told me that was a four hour movie. Now I would have believed you. If you're going to be a bad horror movie, get it over with. Be like or have Winchester. Fun. Be like Winchester. Get in, get out. 
and that's a that's a horrible horror movie but there are levels to this that's like a d d minus that movie at the very least i felt like it moved maybe it moved in place but it moved a little bit i hated the movie but it didn't drag its feet kind like of it's kind of cheating on the on the on the pedometer like you know you're you're doing your steps and you're just walking in place it's kind of a little bit of cheating like it's not really like taking any like steps forward um yeah i'm with you go ahead great uh Wait this is it. an f 20.83 wow that's bad um uh for on, reference me... little man was an f 12.67 well you hated little man so i hate that's... this yeah i'm fair oh god yeah 20 20 point whatever would have been very 20.3 was what i have war of the wolves on the attack at so that's not high high regards like not good at all wow i can't wait to see this i'm probably gonna give it like a 20 something i can't wait 22 percent on rotten tomatoes seems too high how in the heck do you get 22 percent of people are like reviews that are positive like Rotten Tomatoes always gets me with the number because you could be like a a three on like a three star on something and it ends up being like a positive review, but it's not really like a good movie. I don't know. It's just it's weird. I don't I don't like Rotten Tomatoes all that much, but twenty two percent is telling. Uh, it probably should be lower from from what it sounds like for you. It probably should be lower. All right, let's wrap this up with a movie that apparently no one saw. And that was the book of Clarence. We saw it. I was excited for it. It's my most anticipated yeah. movie of the month because it was directed by James Samuel, who gave us the harder they fall, which came on out on Netflix about two and a half years ago. And I really enjoyed that movie. It uh, was one of my like 25 favorite movies of that year. Really enjoyed it. And I thought, I hope this director continues working with the ambition that he has and that was very much the case with the book of clarence which is about a doubt of his luck man named clarence living in uh ad 33 uh jerusalem who looks to capitalize on the rise of jesus christ claiming to be a new messiah sent by god in an attempt to free himself of his debts and start a life of glory for himself and his friends uh the stars lakeith stanfield omar sai rj seiler uh and a whole, whole slew of other people, some of which I wish I didn't know were in it. Because there's one person in particular that I really wish I had not known was in it. And I'm not even going to talk about him. We know Brandon. We know the person. A very well-known actor. And I actually thought that his role was quite stupid in this. Uh, it, it was very weird. Uh, oh yes 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 you know let's who we're talking about skip you over know who let's skip you know over yeah, yeah. Over. i am not a religious person i'll get that out of the way because i do think that that is important when it comes to this movie because this movie apparently has offended some people for being blasphemous or something like that i i look how you engage with media is how you engage with media yeah but i i don't engage with it that way and I thought that this movie was really interestingly made. I thought it featured some fantastic acting on the hands of uh, 
Uh, Omar Sy, RJ Siler. RJ Siler, I wish was in it more, and I wish was in more things. And I also thought that Lakeith Stanfield was really great in this. I just love him in general. He has to play dual roles. And we talked about, now you see me too, whenever you have to play a twin of somebody that's usually very bad. You shouldn't do it, yeah. You shouldn't never but do Lakeith that. But Lakeith Stanfield just... had to play twins, and I thought he did a really good job of it in this. He's yeah. one of my favorite actors working right now. I'm glad they took a big swing with this. James McAvoy's another one that's in it. Not as prominently as I thought he would be, but still very good. This movie takes some big swings. And I'm proud. I'm happy that James Samuel did that because we need more directors that are not going to play it safe and play it so commercial. <laughs> the, 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 this definitely this is it bombed. This thing this, from commercial. You yeah. know, th this thing did terribly. But while I'm happy about it, again, sometimes you take a big swing and you hit. And sometimes you take a big swing and it doesn't hit. And this movie contains a lot of both because I think that it's very it's got it, it also it, it's two hours and nine minutes and this one probably could have shaved off about 15 20 minutes as well mm, subjective I mean yeah could have uh, this movie has a lot of comedic elements and then the end the last 15 are suddenly very bloody and very serious and the two tones just didn't really mix well for me personally yeah i'm kind of giving you a look because i'm trying to i'm trying to formulate my opinion on that yeah it's just weird it's just a weird tonal balance between really the, what the first hour and 45 minutes of this movie and then all of a sudden it turns serious which isn't a bad thing but then you add in the uh, actor slash character that shall not be named, and it gets even like more bizarre. And um, it just gets goofy. Yeah, it gets goofy at one point, but it's still serious. Personally, I I am someone religious. Like I'm not gonna say I go to church every Sunday, but like, you know I know I've read the Bible. I know like the stories about of the Bible. Um, yeah, I personally liked. The uniqueness, I guess you could say uniqueness of, of the way it was kind of told. It was just different. It was like a different telling of like these different stories of the Bible. And I'm personally like not offended by the route the director took with it and the story that was being told. Like I thought it was interesting. It was unique. Was there some other things they could have done? Sure. But for the most part, I really enjoyed myself in terms of I liked Lakeith Stanfield's character, and I liked him interacting with R.J. Seiler as a chemistry, and I think that chemistry really carries the movie throughout. And if you like those two characters and the way they kind of bond and the chemistry between those two, then you're gonna like this movie. Like, I think it works. Um, yeah, are there some parts that are kind of weird? Sure, but like, I'll just go ahead and say it. Like, James McAvoy is Pontius Pilate. I thought he did a pretty good job with that character, given what he was given. And I thought it was an interesting take on like Pontius Pilate, you know, like we've seen in a lot of Jesus movies, a lot of stories and tellings about Jesus. Like Pontius Pilate is like this awful human who like, you know, he's, he's, he's here to kill Jesus. 
And that's not exactly the take that we get from, from James McAvoy. Um, and, you know, I, I like it. Like, I just, I'm with you. Take more swings. Swing for the fence. If you strike out, so be it. If you if you hit a little dribbler to second base, like so be it. Like whatever. Like I'm I'm all I'm for it. Um, I'm really sad this is bombed at the box office, and it almost seems like it was intentionally buried in January behind a lot of like films. And to be quite honest with you, Mitchell, I really don't understand why it was buried behind the Beekeeper and Mean Girls, with the next week being ISS and the week after that, literally nothing coming out. So I just, I can't get behind it getting buried. Like, I just can't. I don't understand it. And I guess that was a studio decision, but I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I guess maybe they were afraid that they would catch uh, some heat from religious folks. And so that if they kept the movie's release on the DL, they would just kind of skate by without that. They would fly through. Yeah, but, but I mean... I, I mean not everything in this worked for me. Like I said, I think the tone is incredibly uneven. I think some of the comedic choices are incredibly jarring. Odd, yeah. But a lot of this is really good, and I think James Samuel has an extremely high ceiling as a director, and I'm waiting for him to put it all together. Whatever this guy puts out, I'm going to be excited to watch because I know it's going to be like nothing else that's out. And there's a lot of movies that just kind of blend together. And James Samuel is not about yeah. blending into the crowd. So I I admire the chances that he took. One there for all the decisions. But yeah, it did feel like this movie kind of never had a chance. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it. Um, do you get the feeling that that Samuel's kind of like Del Toro and that you know you you you're not going to No, but like mo- the movie's going to be a little bit different. Like it's not going to be the same as like every other movie that's coming out which well, there's a lot of directors that's kinda, that are like that. No, but, but I kind of, I kind of get that vibe from Del Toro, and like my point is, is that Del Toro gets praised for it, and like it almost feels like we're not praising Samuel for it, or like it's the world, the wider audience isn't. And I'm, like I said, I'm for people taking risks. I think that should be more of a thing. So I don't know. That's just, that's just my thoughts on it. Is like, I really like the director, and I, I, I hope. This doesn't deter the director from from doing more things because I'm all, I'm here for it. Like in terms of that aspect, I guess I am too. And given the ensemble cast for this, clearly he had a lot of people that wanted to work with him. Yeah, true. That's a good point. I gave this a, a B twenty six point nine seven. Nice. Uh, that's a pretty good B. Um, I'm a little bit higher than you. I went B forty point three. Okay, not too much higher. But not too much higher, but at the end of the day, maybe some of the comedic choices probably landed a little bit more for me than maybe they did for you. But at the end of the day, this movie's carried by Lakeith Stanfield and RJ Seiler as his, like, kind of companion who, like, never loses side and the loyalty he shows. it. I mean, that buddy-buddy situation is really what carries the movie, personally, for me. All right, so that wrap thing, wraps things up for the month of January. In February, we have Argyle coming out this week. Not the best banger. reviews coming out right now. And by the way, I th- there was a tweet from three years ago that I saw that completely spoiled the movie. 
that was just about like Matthew Vaughn's next movie is going to be about this. And it's like, uh, oh, so. Oh, as long as you didn't like your retweet that I shouldn't have a problem not seeing. I'll show you it after you've seen it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Uh, You know, personally, I don't really care. It's probably not going to be that big a deal for me. But yeah, Madam Webb, uh, Bob Marley, Lisa Frankenstein, Drive Away Dolls. We've got some re-releases of uh, Les Mis and Tenet coming out. We've oh, also got I, uh, hopefully seeing Zone of Interest. Yeah, can I mention that I uh, I saw a release of Soul in theaters real quick. That's right. Yeah, and that movie is still as awesome as when I saw it in 2020 during COVID. That movie is is killer. Movie's you awesome. got a grade? Yeah, give me a sec. Um, let's see. I think I put it somewhere. If I didn't, then I remember exactly what I gave it. I think I gave it an A plus and it was a lower A plus. So it was like an A plus 22 point something, I think is what I ended up giving it, which gotcha. I don't have the exact number, but it's an A plus for me. That's a very, very good movie. Um, So if you haven't seen it, check it out. Go see it in theaters because I'm, I'm glad that they're like re-releasing movies like that. Um, Yeah, go see it. I don't know if we're going to talk about it during our February recap, even though we are seeing it on the last day of February. Dune Part 2. Yeah. Personally, my most anticipated movie of 2024. And that's that we're going to get a chance to see that on the last day of February. So can't wait for that one. Uh, Coming up next, we've got Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump, where we will uh, give our official... uh, Vote for what should have won Best Picture in 1994. Then we will have Ghost and Warm Bodies as we start with the randomizer in the romance genre for the month of February. And then we will give out the Best Picture for 1999, Sixth Sense and American Beauty, along with having watched The Green Mile a few weeks ago. Brandon, plenty more to come. Thanks for talking with me about the month of January and hopefully... The next few months, a lot better than what January gave us. 